successful media and public affairs consultant, accomplished entrepreneur and national writer and contributor, attorney who served in the Missouri House of Representatives, worked in the White House and CNN, thought leader, entrepreneur, and host who takes the conversation to the next level. Prepare to get rare access to fascinating guests. You're connected. You have the it factor. You've joined Grill Nation. Connect with Jason on Twitter at Jason Grill. Connect with the show on Twitter at Grill Nation Show. And online at GrillNationShow.com. Welcome your host of Grill Nation. Always dressed up and ready to go even in a radio studio. Here's Jason Grill. Hello and welcome to the Grill Nation Show here on KMBZ 980 AM. I'm your host, Jason Grill. Thank you for joining us if you're listening via the radio or via podcast at iTunes or also on GrillNationShow.com where you can find photos of our guests, information about our show, and ways to connect with me. You can always connect with me, though, on social media at Jason Grill on Twitter and at Grill Nation Show there as well. So available, search for my name on Instagram, uh, Snapchat, and Facebook. Just look for Jason Grill. I want to thank our partners and supporters of the Grill Nation show. Before we get into our awesome guests today, you're going to love this content today. I'm very excited about it. Uh, it will motivate you to grow your business, to become a more purpose-driven person, and to uh, create demand in your industry. We'll get to that here in just a second. I want to thank our title sponsors of the Grill Nation show. They are Trust, MoBank, BOK Financial, and Two West Advisors, and Ryan Rink. Also want to thank our contributors to the Grill Nation show and monthly and bi-monthly on-air contributors. They are the Rieger, Jay Rieger & Co., Ryan Maybe, One Light Luxury Apartments, and Reactor Design Studios, and Clifton Alexander. Thank you for your support of the Grill Nation show. I want to start here with some uh, clarity. Uh, we taped the show. Uh, it, it airs uh, every Saturday, but we did tape some interviews earlier in the week. Unfortunately, one of our guests, Anna Goldstein, who is a life and business coach, from the great city of New York. Uh, we're supposed to come on the show here in our first segment today. Anna's website is annagoldstein.com. She has uh, been featured uh, in many respects throughout the country, uh, including uh, the Oprah Show and many other uh, different things and magazines throughout our world. Uh, she had to cancel this morning uh, uh, due to some family issues, but we will have her on the show again sometime very soon. If you want to check out more information about Anna, her website is annagoldstein.com. And again, uh, we're looking forward to having her on the show again sometime soon. Uh, but she's done some great work as a business and life coach in New York and throughout the country. So we'll we'll reach out to her again and have her back here soon to talk about some of the things she wanted to talk about today were uh, how society is brainwashing us into thinking you have to choose between profit and purpose and purpose driving your profits, launching a service-based business. Um, we'll have her on again in the show, but the great part about this is we've actually taped two segments already with our actual guest for today's show, Sean Storms. Check him out at seanstorms.com. So when we bring him on here in a second to fill in for Anna, he has already taped segments three and segments four of this show, which were very great. So now we're going to go back and tape the first two segments of the show, which you're listening to now, and hopefully we don't confuse you. So if there's things out of order on the show today, just know that that is the reason why. And Sean was lucky and happy enough to uh, graciously come back into the studio and help us out here for segments one and two today. I had to grab him uh, in the hallway and, and drag him back in here. But Sean, welcome back to the show. This is just starting out here on the show today, but we've already taped a few segments, so you're already a pro and veteran here, aren't you? I am. Yeah. <laughs> so we're kind of we're kind of winging this, uh, but uh, we will get into this in later segments. But again, just give us an overview of your background uh, for those who are just joining us now on the show. 
So I spent the first 12 years of my career uh, at a Fortune 500 company and in Kansas City. We would know it today as YRC Worldwide, where by the ripe old age of 28, I thought I knew everything. And then I was introduced to Dr. W. Edwards Deming, who was the guy who taught Japan everything they know about quality customers uh, and running a business successfully. And as we know, that is just a tiny little island out on the Pacific Rim that is now an economic superpower. So Deming uh, is well known. He's no longer with us, uh, but it changed my view on business. And so as my career went forward, even though I was an operations guy originally, I had the executive management piece. Uh, I started leading sales organizations and I found out that the way sales are expected to happen inside of companies is why we are where we are today, where companies are having so much trouble growing organically. And so my thought was, as I studied demand creators, mm-hmm. and we've talked about some of those being Quick Trip and Pixar, Apple, uh, Cirque du Soleil, Southwest Air, BMW, I could, the list goes on and on and on. As I studied those companies, and even though most of them are in the B2C space, uh, I found out that there is a way to create demand. I not only did it in my own career uh, since I went out on my own, uh, but we've done it at, at many companies uh, and assisted those leaders, including many that you've had on your show. Talk to us about that process. You you've um, you said you work for big corporations, then you you kind of started doing this. What was that like for you? Because that is a transition. Let me tell you, I've I've done a lot of different things in my career, but it is always a, a daunting task to start from scratch uh, when you leave a Pretty, pretty well-set job, like you said, in a corporation. Absolutely. <clears throat> so I was leading a sales and marketing organization. I was um, a, a C-level person at a local company. I won't name who they are. Mm-hmm. And right before Thanksgiving- well, we'll just bring up your LinkedIn page here at Sean Storms. <laughs> uh, search for it, guys. It's great. Yeah, you, you can connect, connect with him right now. No, seriously, though. Yeah, so. but it was just back in the 2000s. Um, and I was made an officer of the company. And then uh, three months later, I was asked to leave. And to this day, I don't know. I could you know, guess as to why they asked me to leave. But I thought, you know what? If I'm going to have any success, I'm going to rely on myself and not others who don't get this methodology. So that's how I went out. So no, I, I was forced out, to be honest. But mm-hmm. it was very, very scary. But within, within the first six months, uh, as I started to speak around the city, I was uh, writing for the Business Journal. And How did that come about? That's interesting to me. So this is interesting. As someone who works in the media, that is interesting to yeah, me. Yeah, Sam Mears, who recently sold Mears Advertising mm, yes, to Sam. Barkley. Uh, Sam's a great guy. And Sam uh, was not only a mentor for me, the day literally I'm walking out of this company with the box in your hand. Oh, gosh. I called him and I said, we've got some outstanding invoices with you, right? And I was just walked out of the company. You better make sure you get paid. And he said, get your rear end down here and let's talk. Literally two hours later, he says to me, Go down and see Russell Gray at the Business Journal Mm -hmm. and tell him what you're thinking, right? Because they had just lost uh, a guy who for 20 years at the corporate level for the journal had been writing the growth strategies column being Jeffrey Gittimer. And I said, the last thing people need is another schmaltzy sales guy. And so Russell bought it, understood it. And the next thing you know, I'm writing for the journal. Then I started speaking on behalf of the journal throughout the city. Oh, cool. So that kind of... Got you in front of a lot of people and yeah, I made mean, a lot of relationships that way too. Humbled and will be forever grateful to the Business Journal for what Kent Barthol and Russell Gray did for me. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of connected you to a lot of people. I know you have now uh, do a lot of keynotes throughout Kansas City uh, with some pretty cool organizations such as Hellsberg, uh, the hemp program. You did that. That's a great entrepreneurship program here. Uh, and also uh, KCADC, you've worked with Mariner uh, and uh, Cross, uh, Cross First Bank annual conference. That is uh, that recently happened out in Phoenix, doing all kinds of things. Yeah, these are amazing companies with awesome leadership. 
And, you know, most people are looking for a change. They're looking for ways to do things better, Jason. Mm -hmm. But when they hear how different this is, that we ought to go create demand Mm -hmm. instead of selling sameness so hard, uh, it really messes with their head. So uh, it's, it's a challenge. Mm-hmm. Probably eight, probably eight out of ten uh, walk away saying I'm not going down this road. <laughs> sure, right? I mean, I'm listening to you now, and we'll get into it more on the show later on about how you create demand and why that's so important. And you also put together a uh, eight step kind of program. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that. We'll get into that later in the show, but just give us a flyover. So anything that people would learn from me, whether it's from the eight steps of demand creation and profitable revenue growth (PRG) or the workshops they could go through, it is all born from the cause of the problem. Remember, I'm a Deming guy, so it's all about root causes. And I believe that the more salespeople you have, and by the way, this isn't uh, a knock against salespeople in general because they've been told and hired to do a certain job. I get it. Mm-hmm. But the point is that um, it, 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 the idea isn't to sell. The idea, the cause of the problem is the value proposition doesn't have much value, so we have to create that. Sean Storms is our guest. His website is seanstorms.com. We're right back with more Grill Nation. Welcome back to the Grill Nation show here on KBZ 980 AM. Joined today by Sean Storms, who is uh, his website is seanstorms.com. Sean uh, reached out to me about coming on the show after we've had on many of his clients on the show and throughout the years. And uh, just kind of was uh, one of those things where you're like, you know what? All of these CEOs we've had on the show and thought leaders here in Kansas City have been very successful and they've, they all have a theme and it's usually a purpose driven theme and creating demand. And so I wanted to bring him in here to kind of talk about some of those things. Uh, again, we, we taped the show backwards, so if you get confused, our apologies. We had a guest cancel today, so Sean is back with us for segment two today, and we'll be with us again in three and four. Uh, Sean, one of the things that you talk about a lot is about sales and marketing, and why uh, why is that op- unoptimized, and why is it not the answer we thought it would be? Let's, let's, get, let's get into that, because you are all about creating demand and not all about sales. You want to create something. You want to create a revolution, per Correct. se, purpose-driven. So why, what is it about sales and marketing? Because everything in our loins teaches us that, hey, when I start a company, I got to go tell my story. I got to go sell myself. I got to buy ads. I got to go to coffees. I got to do all speeches, which those things, some of those are fine, but you're talking about straight sales and marketing. When you're living in a world of sameness, mm-hmm. you have to do coffee, lunch, coffee. You have to go to all the meetings. You have to network. You have to join the groups, be a joiner. You have to do all those things. Mm-hmm. because You got to integrate into the community. What, what else like. do you have? Yeah. And yet I had zero relationships with every CEO that I worked with. I tell people, build those relationships after they hire you. But if you can attract them with unprecedented value and they see it and they understand it, um, you don't have to do all of those other networking things. You just don't have to. So I would throw out two things under the heading of selling. 80, these are two facts. 86% of salespeople do not achieve 90% of their annual quota. Put it another way, that's only 14% or 1.4 out of 10 even hit 90% of their sales quota. And that's a Miller-Hyman study from about four years ago. Mm-hmm. And then we find out that we spend $15 billion a year in this country on sales training. And that math has never made sense to me, mm-hmm. ever. And not only that. Well, well here's, how, here's how you argue for that as a business owner. <laughs> Salespeople, you put on a commission-based salary, right? Yeah, With incentives. 
You can. Okay. Well, I mean, there's lots of different you, methods. You, right. I mean, it, most people that I talk to that are starting their companies don't just give someone that's in sales a huge salary. Sure. There's an incentive-based deal. Just like, you know, hey, if you sell 5,000 widgets, you know, you get a dollar from each of the widgets. Or, hey, you know, here's your salary, but sure. it's going to be compensated through incentives and commissions. That's that's maybe how they keep their costs low. I hear you, but I'm a Peter Thiel fan, right? Now, yep. Peter Thiel not only wrote Zero to One, a mm-hmm. great book, he is the co-founder of PayPal, so he's a billionaire, and he was the first major investor in Facebook. And he says, if you have to sell it or advertise it, it's not good enough. Mm. And I believe in that. I really do. So if we take all of that, um, I believe that the more selling activity you have going on and the more salespeople you're hiring, it's an indictment on your value proposition. I believe that. So go to the marketing side. Do you remember the Apple commercials where Justin Long was playing the hip, cool Apple guy on stage and then the other guy was kind of a heavy set, maybe a a Bill Gates looking guy? Mm Mm-hmm. You remember those commercials? I don't, but it sounds familiar. That ad campaign. You know, I've never even seen the real Apple commercial, the first one, 1984. Okay, which so, is So a awesome. guest came on and was like, this is the most popular commercial of all time that changed Super Bowl, or excuse me, changed ads sure. forever. Um, and I'd never even seen it. So I have not seen this ad, but I know, I know Apple's been creative with this kind of thing. It's so I'm guessing that a fair amount of the listeners have seen that ad. Okay. And so it was a long campaign. It went on for a couple of years. And all they were trying to do was to force people to choose sides. Well, we're in Kansas City, and it's a very nice town, and I get that. But every time we put a bold stake in the ground and we force the marketplace to choose sides, that doesn't mean you have to trash the competition, Mm -hmm. but you say, here's who we are. Here's how we help you and what you mean to us, Mm -hmm. right, and how we deliver unprecedented value. Mm -hmm. And here's, here's what they do. That's all they did in that marketing campaign, and their sales went through the roof. You have to pick a fight. You have to pick it. Uh, professionally, you have to pick it tactfully. But until you do that, nobody will know what you stand for clearly. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. And that's why marketing efforts fail. Okay. So you think you have to, if you have to sell or advertise, it's not good enough product? Without a doubt. Okay. Oh, so, yeah. so, so give me, so, so this, I, I, how do you do this in regards to, to client services? Because I understand it if it's a product. Like if I'm selling a, I'm selling a cup of coffee and People are lining up in front of my coffee shop because they've heard something or it's, it's referrals or you're just the best at everything. You sure. haven't done anything except people have come there. It's word of mouth. How does, is that the same for, for client services? Because everyone has always said advertise, 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 sales, 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 you know. So no. take a look at a company like Atlassian, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N, Atlassian. They compete with Box, which is a, a well-known company in the technology space. Atlassian is the only one of all their competitors that doesn't have any salespeople. Imagine how cost how low their costs are. Mm-hmm. No advertising, no salespeople. Never heard of them. Never heard of them. And they're growing. You can pull up uh, on Google, just do Atlassian and say no salespeople. You'll see the charts. Their growth is exponential. They're growing so fast because the product's so awesome. Now, the other thing I would say, totally separate topic in terms of whether it's professional services or elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Chip and Dan Heath wrote a book last year, which is one of my favorite books of all time, called The Power of Moments. So how many times have we heard guest experience, right, as being a differentiator? And and I have no interest in differentiation, strengths, or competitive advantage. I want unprecedented value. Mm -hmm. The power of moments is really, really strong. But do we know what they are? There is a hotel in L.A. called the Magic Castle, and it's on Hollywood or uh, Beverly Hills Boulevard, right? Yeah. And it's number two on TripAdvisor, even though it looks like crap from the outside. It's called the Magic what? The Magic Castle. And yet huh. they have better reviews than the Beverly Hilton or anybody else. Because when you're out by the pool, which is a standard, not so great pool, there's a popsicle hotline. 
So when you're sitting there with your family and the kids are in the pool, you pick it up and say, I need two cherry, two vanilla, two cream soda, right, popsicles. And some guy comes out on a silver tray and brings the popsicles. These, the power of moments, that's what they remember down the line. So guest experience now is becoming more and more defined than it ever has. But I believe that's a, a one way to, to, to get unprecedented value. Disney made a, a monopoly yeah, so out of this. So it, that, that makes sense. It's guest experiences. It's, it's how you make people feel. Big part of it. Okay. I like that. I, that does resonate with me because a lot of businesses I've had the chance to work with do that. Sure. Uh, some take it for granted, and it's bad, bad PR. We mentioned dimensional innovations. There are some others who have done what we call a uh, an experience map mm-hmm. in terms of how your customers experience you. It's very telling. That is cool. Um, you mentioned off the air one of the greatest demand creators that has ever existed. And in our next two segments with uh, Sean Storm, seanstorms.com, we will talk about how you create demand and why this is so important and we'll go over the eight, eight different uh, facets to his proprietary plan. But uh, you mentioned the greatest demand creators ever and I think it will surprise people. Who is that? and What did they do? Is that Kiss? It is Kiss, the rock band. <laughs> <That's>, that surprises <laughs> people. Yeah. So why? How, how do they do that? I'm, this is, remember, I'm, I'm about, I'm upper 30s. So Kiss is a little bit before my time. Certainly. Uh, of their height of popularity, but what do they do to create demand that uh, maybe in, didn't exist? In the early 70s, when Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley came together as the founders of KISS, they wanted a business. They actually dreamed that someday they would have a billion-dollar business, and they wanted to get girls, <laughs> to be perfectly <laughs> honest. And these were two Jewish kids from New York City, right? Yeah. People don't know that those two have never taken drugs in their life. Don't drink. Don't smoke. They are as clean-cut as any two people. Now, you can't say that about the other two members. Yeah, right. But this was about business. And so how do we get flash pots? How do we get the big show, the spewing of what looks like fake blood, right? Um, Gene Simmons with the long tongue. All of this was theater to them to give them that experience in those moments. There's a story you can pull up on uh, ESPN.com or just Google it. In Cadillac, Michigan, back in 1975, when KISS was just getting started, they couldn't get any airplay because their music, to be honest, is mediocre at best. Um and I can't go through the whole story here, but people need to pull up Cadillac, Michigan, Kiss, and you want to see how you can stand for something more than the average rock band. And when the product itself, Apple's iPhones, for instance, are not the best phones on the market, but they have 96% of the profit of all cell phones, mm-hmm. all mobile phones, right? Because they stand for something more than the average company. And that's what Kiss has done. And they have done over a billion dollars in um, merchandise sales, music. Concerts, all those things. They've done over a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. That was interesting. They created, they were demand creators and they uh-huh. offered a different experience. Yeah. Those and are met, two key things. And identifying the opportunity. This was the mid 70s. We were in the middle <clears> of a recession. <throat> and people <throat> just wanted to cut loose and have fun. And that's what they did. So we're talking to Sean Storms. A couple minutes left in this segment. Um, okay. So if, if I'm a person listening to the show and I'm kind of at a crossroads where my, my revenue has been good, I'm making money, my profits are good. Um, but I've kind of, let's say, for instance, I made a million dollars in my company, which is a good amount of money this last year. And I made a million dollars this year, but we're not seeing any growth. What is your advice for companies like that? Because I think there are a lot of companies that maybe the CEOs or the leaders are, you know, they've done well, but they're always thinking about, should I exit now? Should I keep growing? Should I hire people? What, what's the strategy there? I mean, what are you thinking? I mean, is it, you've been successful, you've proven your worth, you've proven, you've created demand, but, you know, there's a lot of competitors out there. How do you, how do you, how do you kind of, Juggle all these things. Yeah, it's a great question, Jason. Um, they need to be honest with themselves because often they reach that point by not creating demand. They will often reach it because 
there was opportunity in the marketplace, right? And they just took advantage of it. But they often plateau after a while. If I have met a ton of M&A people recently and they'll say, my gosh, with these business owners who are trying to exit, what they think the company valuation should be, what it actually is, it's not even close. Mm -hmm. They need to be honest and say, what's causing the plateau? Why didn't we explode? Why didn't this go to where I think it should go? They don't do that. Deming taught us root causes first of the problem, but most people want to jump right from problem to solution. So the first thing I'll ask them is, what have you done? What are you spending money on in terms of solutions? And they'll have, well, we refresh the website. Almost mm-hmm. every company I can pull up, show me your website mm-hmm. and I'll show you 10 competitors, take the names off and all those websites look the same because these website developers are using a template. Mm-hmm. That is true. Uh, Back sometimes to you got to be honest with yourself. <laughs> I mean, you got to cut things and you got to do what's best, right? We live in an age of not only millennials, of which my daughter is one, but that we live in an age where um, this idea of standing for something more is a big deal, mm-hmm. right? Uh, whether it's healthy eating, whether it's sustainable uh, businesses, all those types of things. People want to know what you stand for. And mm-hmm. if you don't come to the table with that clearly, look at Patagonia. Mm-hmm. They, yeah. they don't – they don't even well, – we'll talk about Patagonia. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that soon. <laughs> Sean Storms is our guest on Grill Nation show today. Thanks for joining us again. We'll be right back. I got that sunshine in my pocket. Got that good soul in my feet. I feel that hot blood in my body. When it drops. Hello and welcome back to the Grill Nation show here on 980 AM KMBZ. And also, thank you for joining me on podcast today on iTunes. Going to continue on with our our theme today. Uh, Really excited to have on Sean Storms, who uh, his website is Sean Storms. That's S-E-A-N-S-T-O-R-M-E-S dot com, who is just a a fabulous guy. He's had a lot of great experiences here. We're going to talk about those on the show today. But he's a, a CEO, keynote speaker. He's a published author and a nationally syndicated columnist, as well as a C-suite purpose and profitable growth mentor. Welcome to the show, Sean. How are you? Thanks so much, Jason. I am great. Thanks. Good to be here. We've been talking off air a little bit, but we have a, a lot of mutual friends, and I, I really am excited to have you on the show today. Give us a little bit about your background. I know you're, uh, you've done a lot with a lot of companies here in Kansas City and throughout the country as a chief demand creator for The Third Door, and you also are a chief result officer for The Redemption Plus. Tell us yeah, about that. Absolutely. So I cut my teeth in business, was born and raised at Yellow Freight System, which is now YRC worldwide. And that's what brought me to Kansas City. And so I had all of this Fortune 500 experience. And after I left the big firms, Granger included, I went to work for some smaller businesses. And what I found out is that even though initially the genesis of my story is really in operations and total quality management and Dr. W. Edwards Deming and those kinds of things – I was leading sales organizations, but I was looking at it in a very, very different way. And that eventually led to how do I take these teams that I'm leading, not rely so much on the sales organization itself, but drive demand and let's see if we can figure out the attraction model and drive profitable revenue growth that way. Mm-hmm. You've worked with companies that we've had on the show, such as Dimensional Innovations, KCPNL, Arrived Outdoors, uh, amongst others of a lot of great people including the Bash Group and former sponsor of the show, Andrew Bash. Um, you also wrote a book recently called The Clean Slate. It's, uh, it went online, on, it went for sale in October of 2017. Tell us about that process uh, because I got a book copy here in my hand. I'm looking forward <laughs> to reading it, man. Well, thank you. Uh, it's been quite the journey. You know, I wrote two other books. One was a sports book, uh, which did well a long time ago, and the other one was a novel. 
But this one was 10 years in the making. The other ones were pretty quick. And this is pretty much the culmination of my entire career. Uh, and again, why there should be a clean slate when we look at business. So not mm-hmm. only the companies that you mentioned locally, I also did some really cool keynotes for Crossverse Bank, which is highly mm-hmm. purpose-driven, if you know Ron Baldwin and Mike Maddox over there. Um, but also Tim Cowden, the KCADC, have mm-hmm. spoken uh, at their investor conference. That's awesome. Tim's a uh, a great guy who I've got to know here over the last few uh, over the last year or so, and you know he's he's got a great story, and they do a lot of great work over there, and that, that's really cool to mention. So you off air, you were telling me that you know as an entrepreneur myself, you know you're always thinking about sales, right? So you you want to you want to get out there, and people think you know we got to hire people and travel and and do all these different things, and you kind of have a different spin on it. Uh, based upon your experience. And I want to kind of break that down. So uh, you believe in demand creation. I do believe in demand creation. And what led me there was how we look at problems. So if the problem is we don't have enough sales, Mm -hmm. we have to be honest with ourselves and say, why is that? So what I at least came to the conclusion, uh, the conclusion I came to was the reason why companies aren't growing organically is because first and foremost, there's an identity crisis inside the company. They don't know not only who they are, they don't know who they're not. Mm-hmm. That is true, and I could I could name many of my businesses I work for that, uh, <laughs> or not not that I work for that I've owned or that I I've met here on the show. And and the problem is is as an entrepreneur, obviously, uh, or a business owner, you're 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 taking whatever you can get at first, right? Sure. So if you're a PR firm, you're you're taking smaller retainers, you're taking smaller projects, and then you reach that point where you're like, this is too much work for what I'm making, and hey, there's other clients out there that want to pay more money and want to, you know, are are different. Uh, Or if you're a product company, right, and you take on four or five different things at once, what actually is bringing in your revenue? And that's what happens. When we have the identity crisis and we're not sure who we are, tell me you haven't seen this a million times, we have flavor of the month strategies that start to come out. Mm -hmm. And all that does is cause widespread variation, which will bring us to Deming eventually here. And what variation really means, it's not lean manufacturing and Six Sigma at least in my world, it's not. It's organizational variation. So if the silos start to form, we have all this organizational ADD because we don't know who we are. Mm-hmm. That relates directly to the P&L. Okay. So when I start talking about purpose and figuring out who we are and why the business exists and the difference it's trying to make in people's lives, it's way beyond social responsibility, which tends to be where purpose gets mm-hmm. pigeonholed. Oh, yeah. That's kind of the name of the game. Or it used to be. Sure. You know, we, we have a product. We'll give a product to the poor or we'll help out a charity or we'll – you know, that is, that's not what you're talking about. You're really talking about becoming purpose-driven. Right. This is not social responsibility. What is it? So John Mackey of Whole Foods started the conscious capitalism movement. And what he, the term that he came up with was purpose before profit. And that drives the average CEO and business owner berserk because they're all about profit. Mm-hmm. Let's be clear. Whole paycheck? <laughs> they're all about profits, right? <laughs> so it's not just purpose. But for instance, when you had, let's say, Dimensional Innovations on, and they talked about we liberate people from mediocre experiences. Mm-hmm. Well, part of their journey was they do design and they do build. And that team found out that if they only did one or the other, it would be less than a mediocre experience. So that's purpose-driven. If they're only going to take jobs now that are design and build, Mm -hmm. they know that the customer will be highly satisfied. That was a big change inside their organization. So becoming purpose-driven, again, is really clearly knowing who you are, who you're not, and the difference you're trying to make in people's lives. It's a tough decision, though. Uh It's always a tough decision for a company because if you do get to be in demand, right, you've created that demand based on your reputation or your work product, um, cutting things is tough. It is. Uh, Product lines or, you know, in this day and age, You'll see a lot of people out there with, you know, with an e-commerce site 
or with a uh, wholesale site or wholesale sales or right. retail sales or uh, you know, custom sales. So it's sure. like, what what are you focusing on? And it's just that's the hard part because there's going to be ebbs and flows, especially in the e-commerce world. So that gets us. You're right, absolutely yeah. right. And that gets us to this issue of demand creation. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll go slow here, which is born from unprecedented value. Okay, we'd never seen a car company like Tesla before. Mm-hmm. Nobody was asking for it, just like nobody asked for the automobile, the airplane, the radio television, the internet, nobody asked for these things. Mm-hmm. We have to see what others miss. We have to be almost become scouts okay. out in our industry sure, and fa- see what others are missing and start to design unprecedented value. That's where it comes from. That's where demand creation is born from. But what it frees us from, what it liberates us from, Jason, mm-hmm. is sameness. Remember, identity crisis was the first cause. The second cause is sameness. And that's a business disease that's reached epidemic proportions. Mm-hmm. So when I hear companies say, here's our strengths, right? Here's our differentiation. Here's our competitive advantage. It's fraudulent. There's nothing there. And the salespeople know it. Yeah, usually. right. That's interesting. Sean Storms is our guest, seanstorms.com. You talk about organizational fitness. What are your suggestions to kind of get that in order? Sure. Just like if you're going to the gym. We, we, when we planned the show out, <clears throat> Sean, we knew it was going to be close to the end of the year. Right. And so people have their New Year's resolutions. Those are probably gone by this point. But um, – you're talking about fitness and organizational fitness and, and tell us about that and aligning and achieving alignment and clarity. So those are the two key words, right? First comes alignment. So if we're purpose-driven and operationally, we drive that through the entire organization. I'll describe briefly how that works. We, we then become aligned and that takes away this tremendous variation that wreaks havoc on the P&L. All that hidden cost in the P&L is driven from identity crisis, sameness, mm-hmm. right? All those kinds of things. So the organizational fitness piece is to get us clear, get us aligned, and that happens. Let's look at some companies. Look at Quick Trip. Mm-hmm. They have two core obsessions, cleanliness and speed. Look at Pixar. Every movie that comes out is ranked number one when it comes out, right? Mm-hmm. Story is king and trust the process. Take a look at Apple. It's all about uh, user experience and design. So any company that's purpose-driven, I can usually find, or they've said so within the books they write or if you talk to their executives, they have two core obsessions. So organizational fitness is purpose. What are the core obsessions? How did we see what others miss so we can drive demand and we execute? Hmm. How does this process work in an industry that is is not revolutionary? So, you know, a real estate company or a um, law firm or a, a sales Basically, a sales company. If I could tell you how many an accountant. I mean, how, how do we exactly. how, how do we think of something that's going to create demand in, in a world that is very saturated? So, Doctor Deming would say the problem with most companies and the solution for most companies is the same darn thing: it's leadership. Mm-hmm. So, it's only the only reason I work with CEOs and business owners is because things are good or not good because of them purely. Okay, right? And I never so, thought about that. Right. So when I thought it was more about the team. You think it's more about the leader. I know it's more about the leader. Okay. Right. Not only did Deming say that, his every answer to his question, all the times I heard him speak live or on some simulcast, when people would ask him a very in-depth uh, problematic question, mm-hmm. he'd just lean into the microphone and say, leadership. <laughs> and what he meant by that was is um, Jim Collins, Good to Great, very famous book, level five leaders are humble and willful. You and I can find willful and resolute all day long. Mm-hmm. Can we find humility? Mm-hmm. Why is it that nobody in 40-some-odd years has been able to take on Southwest Air? Hmm. Well, they created a man. That's back to your point. Of course they Yeah, did. they created a man, something unique, and you can do that. I, I think more people have tried to kind of duplicate what they did in their industry. 
because they, they saw what others missed. They fly one kind of airplane, so the costs are very low, right? Because they're only training on one airplane. They only have parts for one airplane, all those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. But that culture that is very fun, disciplined, but mm-hmm. very fun, uh, their CEO, Gary Kelly, is known on Halloween of flying all around the country 24 hours straight, dressed up in drag, for instance, because <laughs> he knows that he has to lead the purpose piece, right? Mm-hmm. So it's all leadership. Interesting. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Sean Storms is our guest today on the Grill Nation show. Sean, when we get back from the break, we're going to have another segment. Let's talk about the uh, you, you put together a proprietary eight-step framework that provides the architecture uh, necessity to create monopolies, the holy grail of PRG, profit revenue growth. Uh, and now we'll, we'll get into that and the design of demand creation, if you will. I know that uh, that's a lot to get to in one segment, but I, I'd love to learn more about this this exciting topic. And and if you're a listener here, hopefully um, take a look for Clean Slate, great book here in Kansas City and throughout the country. It's on Amazon, right? Correct. Um, I'm excited to read it. Uh, gonna it's got big font, which I like. <laughs> uh, so and on we'll, Kindle now too. It is on Kindle. It great. Is. <laughs> uh, Sean Storms is our guest. SeanStorms.com. We right back after the break with more Grill Nation. You're listening to the Grill Nation show with your host Jason Grill on KMBZ 980 AM and on GrillNationShow.com. Thanks for joining us today. Welcome back to the Grill Nation show here with Jason Grill, your host. Thank you for joining us again today on 980 AM KMBZ. Again, we're with Sean Storms, who is a uh, great guy. He's the chief demand creator for The Third Door, and he doubles as the chief results officer of Redemption Plus. He was uh, penned the Kansas City Business Journal's bi-monthly growth strategies guest column for five years. He's recently written a book called Clean Slate, which is available on Amazon and, and is available in hard copy and on Kindle. And he has uh, performed major keynotes for groups such as the Hellsberg Entrepreneurial Mentorship Program, Hemp, KCADC, Mariner Wealth Advisors, CrossFit Bank, and the Amusement Expo Expo International in Las Vegas. That's pretty cool. That's coming up here soon. Hey, Sean, uh, one of the things you talked about was creating demand. And you've put together a proprietary uh, kind of uh, deal here with eight kind of steps framework for demand creation and profitable revenue growth. I kind of wanted to talk to you about those things as we go through this segment. The first thing you mentioned is establishing an organizational higher calling. Tell us about that. So it's interesting, right? A moment ago, you asked about professional services type companies, whether mm-hmm. they're, it's insurance, uh, wealth management firms, certainly legal is a big one. It is the leadership issue, right? Mm-hmm. And so they think it's all about marketing or branding usually, Um Engineers especially, I work with a local engineering company, and they don't think in terms of uh, creating unprecedented value for their clients. They just want to go engineer something, right? Mm-hmm. Which I get it. I don't blame them. But these eight steps are really the horse before the cart. So okay. what happens is if they're not purpose-driven and they have this identity crisis mm-hmm. and they're living in a world of sameness, right? And nobody will tell the top dog that the value proposition is nothing but vapor. And now they go out to the marketplace and do all those things that are popular. They will do sales training. They will bring in uh, a marketing expert, a branding expert, so on and so forth. Think about it. The raw material they're working with isn't great. Mm-hmm. Of course, we have to start with the higher calling. We have to start with true north. Why does the company exist? And what is the difference it makes in people's lives? And let me share one more thing. Every time I've sat down with a senior leadership team and I asked them to take out a piece of paper 
answer those two questions. Do you think that the answers are even remotely in the same zip code? <laughs> no. So what happens? Dysfunction. They're exactly. all over. Yeah. Exactly. So we've got to establish that organizational higher calling, and you've got to define your core obsessions and associated behaviors, correct? Correct. And so um, while I believe in the behaviors piece, uh, let's go back to somebody like Dimensional Innovations where they have collaboration as one of their three core behaviors. That leadership team actually made that core behavior operational. So Mm -hmm. they sit together, so they're more collaborative, so on and so forth. Um, But the obsession piece, like we mentioned mentioned a moment ago, to have those two core obsessions and make sure that leadership is driving those through the organization with strategic plans. And here's the big one, Jason. It's the whole HR component. Mm -hmm. How are we hiring? How are we disciplining? How are we promoting? How are we rewarding? Um, How are we firing, terminating? All those things should be built around purpose, behaviors, core obsessions. That's what drives this thing through through the roof. That's interesting. Uh, you got to determine your opportunities, right? That's huge. Uh, sometimes we chase too many of those, but you think you have to really kind of uh, to, to find that piece of that pie uh, and really identify it to dominate that space. Yeah, without a doubt. And so when I was working with a local uh, business development person, actually, a very, very successful business development person, Found out that he was, of course, like a lot of sales folks, taking people on trips, hunting, fishing, things of that nature. We find out that what he was really doing, and this is the purpose piece, we found out that he was actually helping business leaders uh, transition to their next, I'm using air quotes, next, Mm -hmm. the next iteration of their life. Maybe they've sold and now they've had a financial windfall. What do I really want to do? So when he takes them on these excursions, these big adventure excursions, he's actually talking to them about what they want to do next. Well, he's got a network to choke a horse, this guy. And so if you want to raise champion racehorses in Lexington, Kentucky and be in the Triple Crown Series, he can help you. You want to start a hot air balloon company? He can help you. Mm -hmm. So it became more than trips. It became a higher calling, an actual movement. And this business that he has has just exploded. So he's making money doing this now. Uh, You could say that. So we need to talk about that after the show. (laughs) Okay. I always felt weird when you you have a lot of relationships and you – how do you make a business out of that um, with introductions and relationship building and whatnot? That's interesting. Uh, you got to find your dream client and you have to profile it, correct? Correct. And so those first three uh, items that we talked about, purpose, obsessions and behaviors, and then determine the opportunity, that is going to change often drastically who you should be going after because the the customers you have are business partners. They Mm -hmm. have everything to do with whether or not you make money as a company. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So there was a local top 15 Kansas City insurance company, commercial insurer that I work with. They found out that their salespeople were bringing in uh, prospects from all these different industries. When you found out that half of their business was in nonprofit like harvesters Mm -hmm. and the other half of their business was in construction companies and contractors. Well, that's where they should play. Right. Because that's what they know. Right. So variation went berserk when they started bringing in, let's say, technology companies. Mm -hmm. So the dream client's important. Choose your business partners carefully and intentionally. Uh, design unprecedented value. We kind of talked about this. Uh, think revolution versus evolution. It's a big one, right? Because it's change. Mm-hmm. People don't want to change. However, if you're living in a world of sameness and you're having to sell, 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 market, 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 and try to do it that way, it's hard. I'll tell you what, and it's really <laughs> hard with social media these days. Sure. Uh, you know, with, with all the different uh, ads and all the different you know, types of ways to get a people's attention and how saturated that has come on e-commerce uh, as far as, as that market. So I will often say when I do the opening keynote, uh, there will be a picture of, of folks all lined up. And on, in, in May of 2016, there was a car company with, get this, 
No PR, no marketing, no dealerships, no pricing games, no salespeople. Jason, there was no car. Mm-hmm. And day one, 115,000 people plunked down a $1,000 deposit for this car. By the end of the first week, 375,000 people had put down their 1000 bucks. By the end of the first month, it was over 400000 When Tesla launches the Model 3 and that financing goes through, $17 billion will go into Elon Musk's pocket. Now, how do you think all the other car companies on the planet feel about that? Not good because they have uh, special exemptions and there's a lot of uh, revenue incentives going into that. But that's another story, Sean. Uh, He's done a hell of a job. Uh, Number six was custom confirm and proposed unprecedented value. Excuse me, customer confirm the proposed unprecedented value proposition. Let's take through that real quick. Absolutely. So um, a couple of studies have shown that, for instance, Bain & Company did a study that showed that 80% of a select group of CEOs, hundreds of them were asked uh, what they thought their competitive advantages were. Then they went and asked their customers. Mm-hmm. Only 8% agreed. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And then 1,000 CEOs were asked what their top three competitive advantages were, and 997 of them got it wrong. Three out of 1,000 <laughs> got it right. So if we don't customer confirm what that value proposition is, is it customer meaningful? Will it create demand? Interesting. Hey, uh, Sean, our last two, we're talking to Sean, Sean Storm, seanstorms.com uh, of your eight steps are employ third millennial millennium marketing. I don't even know what that means, but you're going to explain it and attract from a power position of power. Those are the last two. So people want to take this sameness offering that they have, this value proposition, which is often valueless. It's the same as everybody else. And they want to employ social media, all sorts of branding techniques and every other market research marketing thing you can think of. In the, the marketing people always like to say, well, 50% of it works. We just don't know which 50%. Well, that's not how I'm investing my money. Mm-hmm. Get on a stage, right? And as I often say to people, you want your business to double in the next 12 to 24 months, let people know what you stand for. So I, like I, told, you, I told you when we were off, uh, off mic here, uh, nine years, I haven't picked up the phone, right? So you create this unprecedented value, you're purpose-driven, and – you, you get on stage and you speak and you write and you let people know how you can help them. It's not about you. Mm-hmm. It's about the customer. I like that. Uh, and then attract from a power, position of power. That's the last step. And, and I want to I thank Sean for coming on the show. And Sean has the book out, Clean Slate, if you want to learn more and, and read further. Uh, the website is seanstorms.com. Sean, we can find more information there and connect with you there, correct? Absolutely. Uh, really a great having you on the show. You've motivated me. I, I feel like I've had 15 cups of coffee now because I'm so fired up to go to work. Uh, and to really kind of connect with you more throughout the years to see uh, what you're coming up with because this is some really great information and great value for our listeners. So I appreciate you coming on the show today. Thank you. We've got some workshops coming up, some other things, and uh, you'll see that on the website. SeanStorms.com. Thanks for joining us today on Grill Nation. It's been a great show, and we'll see you again soon. Thanks for joining us.